to the Chasing Sunday podcast. Where we uh, chase Sundays. We chase Sundays. That's all it is. You're just going to hear a lot of like, like uh, us like panting and out of breath. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then our, Paul throws up after five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and Brian gave up after two. He's just going to be, you know, wheezing in the corner. So yeah. anyway, uh, I'm Brian Davis. Yeah. I'm well, Paul Rome Levitt. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're your hosts. Uh, we also, uh, head up this wonderful ministry called Torn Curtain Arts. And, uh, and we love doing this podcast, um, for you, uh, oh, worship leader or whoever is, uh, whoever's listening. If you're a worship leader, if you're a pastor, if you're just, uh, you know, somebody who's fortunate enough to have a regular job um, and uh, and you want to listen to the things that we have to say about worship and leading worship. Um, in this season, we are, uh, we are talking about uh, our coaching platform uh, that we call The Green Room, uh, and in particular, hitting on what we call the four pillars or the four walls of The Green Room. Um, and, uh, and today, um, well, if, if you want to know more about those, you can go back and listen to, uh, to the previous episodes, uh, in this season. But today we're going to be hitting on, we've touched on soul, um, and sort of that, that seed of our identity, the root of our acceptance. Uh, we've talked about heart, um, which is just sort of resting in our enoughness and realizing that God is also enough for us. Um, and then we've, uh, last, uh, the last episode, we, uh, we talked about the mind, um, which we sort of categorize as, as really, um, getting to know and, and becoming enfolded into your community and into your culture, um, as opposed to just filling your head with a bunch of knowledge about worship, um, which is, which is easy to do relatively. I mean, there's, there's so much information, so many books, so many things that you can, uh, that you can find out there to help fill your head with, uh, with knowledge about worship, but no, but we, we need to get to know our culture, we need to get to know our communities, and so uh, we touched on that. Today is is that fourth uh, that fourth wall, that fourth pillar um, that uh, is strength. And um, unfortunately, um, so many things, and and we'll we'll touch on this more as as we talk. Um, so many of the resources available to us um, start here. Like start with strength. Like what can you, what can you achieve? What can you build and how can you build it? Um, so that your ministry is successful. Um, and we'll, we'll talk today about just how much, you know, the damage that that's done, uh, or at least the, from our perspective, the damage that that has done to worship leaders that that has done to, um, to churches and, and to the people that, that attend those churches. So, um, so let's, let's dig in and, uh, buckle up. Is there anything you wanted to add? Yeah. I want to talk about the fact that we don't discount or discredit the actual best practices that are out there that we take from the best research of from the business world or the, the marketing world or all of those things, those are really important tactics that we use. We'll talk about things like the strategic plan and how to make a process map and uh, the importance of mission and values. Uh, but 
that's where a lot of people start, right? Like just mm-hmm. Brian said, but the sequence matters for us that if we start there, that's how that's what shapes the rest of the things that come. And ultimately it's driven by a kind of scarcity which says like I kind of get a I got to get shit done before I take care of this deeper stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and that is backwards from yeah the way we see the spirit moving the the way of jesus moving is like no actually it goes from soul into your heart then we engage our mind and then we start going like how does all of that influence and inform our practices mm-hmm. um because uh, that stuff but this stuff is fun to get into too it's yeah. it's i i'm kind of a a a, a bit of obsessed, but I think Brian maybe can attest to this. I'm a bit obsessed with efficiency um, <laughs> and effectiveness and stuff like that. And maybe too much. So, um, but uh, so I can get, I can go off the rails when it comes to strength, but that kind of helps set us up for like what we're talking about. So we're, we might be sharing some tools, but in many ways we're talking about like how this fits within the four pillars and, right. and uh, how we interact with it. Right. So, so much of, of this season has been, has been built upon that very first pillar that that it's sort of a foundational truth that, um, that we are loved and accepted by God. And, you know, that is, and I think we talked about this in the episode, that's one of those things that I think sort of gets easily dismissed you know, because we have things to do, like, because I I have this job and I have to do this thing. But what if, like, what if all of our planning and all of our strategizing and, and all of our, our searching for volunteers and picking our set lists and all of those things, what if all of that flowed out of our acceptance of that truth that I am loved and accepted by God? Like all of a sudden things like, just doing, you know, trying to chase after whatever is the the latest worship song or whoever's using the greatest technology, like all of a sudden those things matter less. I'm not saying that they don't matter because for, I know that for a lot of churches, they do matter. I mean, for, for me, it matters. Like I, I like having good gear. I like it. You know, I like it when things sound nice. I like it when things work right. Like Nobody likes walking in on Sunday morning and all of a sudden you're, you know, your soundboard is fried or, you know, you've got a speaker blown or whatever. Like I think technology and, and, and all of those kind of, all those tools, are are great and they are they have become necessary in the world that we live in but they're not the main thing the main thing is that when you walk into that room you you are a deeply loved child of god and everybody else that walks into that room to sit in those seats to sing those songs to hear that sermon they are all deeply loved children of god and when we when we start there suddenly all of that other sexy stuff matters a little bit less. Like it, it, it is, or maybe even a lot less. Like, you know, so, so the soundboard isn't working today. As a deeply loved child of God, I know that I'm still going to worship him and I'm still going to worship God today. So what, so what, what do I, what do I do now? What do I, what do I actually need to be able to do this? What you're reminding me of is the, 
is one of the truths that will extend regardless of what you do in your job, which is your methods are going to constantly change. Right. But the things, the 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 principles that you that you work out of, those shouldn't change or should change very little. Um, yeah. Actually, they should change at some point, but they're going to change less frequently because right. as you, as you learn those things, but um, that's the thing is like, we are in a world that's engineered around keeping us attached to mm-hmm. those temporary methods. Mm-hmm. Because if they can keep us in in that, I mean, it, there's a profit motive there um, mm-hmm. to to keep us addicted to a system, um, right. and it doesn't matter whether that's in in the church or outside of the church. There is that motive, and um, if you approach life or work without um, uh, an intentional design to it, how you want to engage with it, you're going to be a part of that person's plan for it. Mm-hmm. So these things are 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 critical to uh to know ahead of time but if you're disconnected from your soul and your heart it's very easy to just follow into whatever trend is there absolutely yeah and and then we're we're not only not only are we following that but we are also leaders and so we get an entire an entire community of people following us into that it's like well if if Brian says it's okay then like then this must be the way that we do it and i think inherent in the in the the debate and the problems that everybody is dealing with right now as far as like social media, Google searches, uh, AI, um, e- even the even the writer's strike and and actor strike when mm-hmm. when we're dealing with these things that we aren't being serious about the power that we have. Mm-hmm. Each one of us has this power to to um, amplify a particular message or like amplify our own ignorance. Like mm-hmm. in the fact is like, if we don't know something and we just continue to like engage with it uh, implicitly, we are, we are sharing it. We are sending it out. Um, and, and so it's not just in the ministry world that this thing matters. It's like right. kind of everybody's life that mm-hmm. this is touching right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And so as we, as, as the leader, if we can root our leadership in in acceptance and in our unconditional uh, love of God, that then it it shifts our priorities. I guess that's that's the that's the short way of saying what we just you know spent all that time saying is it's going to shift our priorities. And the more that we realize that that we're loved by God, the deeper in love we fall with him even even when it's hard even when we don't understand but that's this idea of of engaging then our heart um is is saying like yes i i will accept this and then i will you know i will also accept that god is with me and not only is god with me he is with my community <laughs> and 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 with you know with us as a church and so um and so, yeah, a, a lot of these, a lot of these trends that we chase, and a lot of the, you know, a lot of the toys that we think we need to have, again, it starts to like we turn down the brightness on that just a little bit more because the brightness of God's presence with us and in us and within our community is even brighter. Um, and then this starts to move us into this idea of like, oh wait, because God loves these people. I actually love these people. <laughs> like, I love the people that I'm leading. I love the people that I that I 
have the honor of, do, of, of being in community with, uh, you know, Sunday after Sunday and, and even between Sundays. And then the more that we realize that we are loved by God, the deeper in love we fall with him. And, uh, and that's, um, that begins to impact our community as we lead worship, as we, as we stand in front of our congregations. Um, and so uh, that then in turn has us falling more in love with our community as we're all falling in love with, with God more, um, the, the more that we're moving together in this space. And so it, it becomes less of a, here is, you know, here's the leader. He's telling us what to do. It's, you know, here's the leader. Let's, let's do what he's doing. Um, and and let's, let's all be in love with Jesus more. Right. And, I know that this it just sounds like a big love fest, you know, right? Which it is, but and it made me think about something. I was writing this this weekend. I was returning to uh, as we as we send out these weekly um, emails to the people who follow the green room called Verse Chorus, um, which everybody should sign up for. By yes, the way, which is fantastic. Absolutely. I love reading um, on Monday morning whatever Brian writes. Um, it's fantastic, and I love reading what Paul writes. Ah, uh, talk about a love fest! Come on, people, get in yeah. on this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I remember there is um, it does relate to how how we move into the area of like tactics and structure and strategy mm-hmm. and stuff, which is comes from the movie Burnt. Bradley Cooper is this mm. chef and he had a huge burnout and he's trying to get back on his feet again and he's looking to hire a new sous chef. And uh he sort of recruits this this young woman who's a, a sous chef and but she's in a terrible job and wants to get out of it. But what he says is, let's meet at the Burger King. He conducts the the interview at this Burger King. And he's mm-hmm. like a, you know, a Michelin star rated chef and stuff. And yeah. he is like, she says, why do you, why do you want to meet here? And he says, well, because the problem with this is that they do exactly what we do, but uh, consistency is death essentially is from, but then she turns it around and says, no, but we want consistency too. And he says, yes, we want consistency of experience, not consistency of taste. Um, And he says, a restaurant, a good meal should be like, like sex is that it, you're all going to the same place, but you're looking for new dangerous ways to get there. Hmm. Okay. And, and that's where there's this balance of creativity and consistency in that, that if it's not grounded, like it, it, it makes people end up feeling used. And mm. in the best place, in the best experiences of church that I've, that I've experienced, it feels like uh, intimacy. So it, it's not, it, I mean, you have to expand your, your definition of sex, obviously, mm-hmm. um, where we're not talking about like bodies and intercourse, right? But we're talking about people bringing attention, bringing their bodies, bringing their whole selves into focus with another human being. Mm-hmm. So there is a, a, a level of your mind is engaged, your strength is engaged, your heart and your soul is engaged all at once. Um, and that is happening then now on this larger scale of a community. Mm-hmm. And when 
when all of those things are happening, what people walk away with is, I think, a deeper level of transformation or deeper deeper forms of prayer that then Mm -hmm. turn into ethics, that turn into Mm -hmm. like, okay, this just sort of naturally spills out into the rest of my life so that I'm more generous, I care more about justice, um, I'm more compassionate. Like, I do think this was what Jesus had in mind, that it wasn't, and you can see this throughout the old Old Testament too, even God from the beginning. It was just kind of like, I don't care what new song you're singing to me if you don't value the things I value. Your your music is like noise. So what if you got a new trumpet? I don't care. Like mm-hmm. if this stuff didn't lead you to change your life, then it doesn't make any difference. And that's yeah. kind of the whole point about um I think it leads to this idea about fruitfulness being mm-hmm. the goal of mm-hmm. this stage of of strength. Like, the, if we were to kind of jump back and talk about the 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 adverse cycle of what what this is, we we call the cycle of works versus the cycle of grace. So, in the cycle of works, this final stage is achievement. You know, and if we get this achievement, then we'll finally get acceptance. Um, and you find out that obviously, year after year, it's an empty bag, it won't happen. But within the cycle of grace, achievement is play is replaced by fruitfulness, and fruit just grows on a tree based on how good that tree is, you know, mm-hmm. how healthy that tree is. It just naturally happens, it doesn't have yeah. to strain or push out fruit. It just happens. And that's yeah. a that's a big distinction, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. And also, there are a lot of other factors. Um, yeah, the health of the tree, um, but yeah. also the, the health of the soil that it's planted in. Um, yeah. How much, how much water it gets, how much shade it gets, how much sun it gets. Um, and, and, and trees also go through, through seasons just like the rest of us. Like they're, I, I have a, we have an apricot tree in our backyard. And, uh, you know, for, we didn't know it was an apricot tree for probably for the first three years that we lived here <laughs> uh-huh. because nothing grew on it. Like it yeah. would, it would, it would blossom and it would flower and it, you know, the leaves would sprout and, and it was, I mean, it's a beautiful tree. It provides a lot of shade in our backyard. Um, but we didn't know what kind of tree it was. We thought for a while it was a pear tree because our dogs kept bringing pears inside, you know, half eaten. And we're like, what the crap? Well, our neighbors have a pear tree. We found Uh out later and and some of those (laughs) fall over into our yard. But it wasn't until like our third or fourth year living in this house that we realized like, oh my gosh, there's fruit on this tree. Yeah. And, and so that tree itself was going through a cycle of like, yep. yeah, I just, I'm able to, I'm able to blossom. I'm able to, you know, I'm able to provide shade. I'm able to like, I have all these beautiful leaves. I just can't, I can't do the fruit right now. Yeah. Um, does that mean it's a bad tree? Mm. No, it just means maybe for, for that season, it just needed a, a moment. And so oh, there are all kinds of, that is there are so probably good. all kinds of things that we can, <laughs> that we can go into there. But, um, but now we know because of the fruit that has been born on that tree, we know, you know, like Jesus says, you'll know the tree by its fruit. Right. Now we know that's an apricot tree. It's not a pear tree. It's not merely a shade tree that, that, blooms pretty flowers in the spring. It's an apricot tree. And and we know, and now we know too, like maybe there's going to be a season 
where we're not going to get any apricots, but we still know that's an apricot tree. Yeah. Um, it's so, so such a rich metaphor because the rule, the sort of best practices of uh, agriculture actually mm. work the same way regardless of the tree, right? Yeah. We water it. We make sure the soil's good. There's pruning involved, those sort of mm-hmm. things. And then there's technique with all of those things. Mm-hmm. But no amount of pruning, watering, soil can make an apricot tree a pear tree. Right. It just won't happen, right? Right. But the right. lie that so many churches get is that if I do all these good things the way that farmer does with his pear tree, my mm-hmm. apricot tree will someday produce pears. Yeah. And that's not going to happen to your congregation. Yeah. That's not going to happen. That's not your tree, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I mean, we can, we can continue to take this, this farming metaphor. Let's do it. Really far. I mean, it, and I find it interesting that a lot of the, you know, a lot of the parables that Jesus used involved farming. Mm-hmm. Part of that was, you know, it was an agrarian culture and, you know, yeah. that, that was what people did to, yeah. to make money as they, you know, they farmed and, and, um, but, you know, they're, Jesus talks about that kind of stuff all all the time. My my grandparents uh, were farmers. My my aunt and uncle still farmers up in the northeastern corner of of Colorado, and they understand this idea of letting a field lay fallow. Yeah, for a season. Yeah. Um. And and Jesus even or God outlines this in in the Old Testament when he's giving the rules for for all of his people, like for you know. For six years, you're going to plant and harvest in this field, and then the seventh year, you you can't plant anything in it, and and you have to let that rest. You have to let that land rest. Yeah. And and we you know we spiritualize oh this is a you know this is a you know a metaphor for the Sabbath and how he mm-hmm. wants us to rest. It's also just good farming practice and good ecology yeah. because what happens as you continue to plant you plant things in this field, it begins to use up all the nutrients in the soil. And so you need to give the land a break so that it can replenish all those nutrients so that when you plant in that field again, it actually has something to feed on. This is what caused the dust bowl back in the, back in the twenties is people were over farming the land and they had completely just depleted it of any nutrients of anything that would be useful to what they were planting in that soil. And it all just dried up and, and turn yeah. to dust. And so uh, when we think about uh, these, these things in terms of how we plan, when we're thinking about being rooted in our, our love for God, accepting his love for us and, and falling deeper in love with him, falling deeper in love with our community, we think about, you know, so then how, how am I going to plan for not only my my own personal life but also for my ministry that's going to include things like when, where are we resting where is our right. community right. finding times of peace and rest whether that's within a particular service whether that's throughout yeah. you know uh you know the course of of a calendar year maybe it's following a, liturg- a liturgical calendar when are we taking breaks when are we stopping to to rest and say like We've we've been running really hard. Now it's time for us to stop. So yeah. all of these things will start to come into play as you work through your strategic plan. They're yeah. all tied together. And and that's why moving around that cycle in this way is so important. Because the other way, going going 
if we if we structure our ministry in the cycle of works, we're never going to take those time those times to to rest and yeah. and those times to say like maybe we need to pump the brakes just a little bit because that that cycle of work says no you have to keep going you yeah. have to follow the trends you have to follow the you know you have to follow all these things because because slowing down stopping is death yeah you know what. Death is okay. Death is important. <laughs> like, de- yeah. Everything dies. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I've, I, I don't remember if I came up with this or if I read it somewhere and have just been taking credit. Just for name it. it. Name it and claim <clears throat> it, Davis. I'm going to claim it. There's a reason why the why we think that the trees during the fall and and we don't get as much of it here in Colorado, but it, like mm-hmm. people flock to the Northeast in the fall mm-hmm. to see the leaves change. People drive up to the mountains in, in the, in the late summer, early fall to see the, the aspens change mm-hmm. because it's just the sea of gold. Like as these leaves change, you know why that's so pretty? <laughs> because those leaves are dying. Those dead. leaves are dying yeah. and will soon be dead. Yeah. And those leaves are going to fall to the ground and they're going to rot as the snow falls on them and melts yeah. them. And the, that rot is going to feed the soil so that we can see pretty green leaves again in the spring. Yeah. The, all of this is supposed to go through seasons. And if you're not building those seasons into your plan, your ministry is going to wither and die a, a really bad death, the yeah. kind of death that like a dust bowl where or, nothing, yeah. nothing yeah. is going to grow. Nothing is going to be able to be planted and it's just going to shrivel up and die and right. blow away with the wind. Or I say you even, you become worse. You become a monster. Uh, monsters or zombies in particular are, are things that look like they're alive, but they're actually dead and they survive by eating brains. Right, you know, so yeah. your community could be become like that if you don't surrender to the rhythm to yeah. this death life um resurrection cycle, um because the rest of your culture says, nope, there's no time to stop. um I heard a preacher say once it was like, um the devil never takes a day off, so I don't get to take a day off. Yeah. I was like, Wow, so you're letting the devil." In that dictate in that, your schedule, you know, yeah, dictate your schedule essentially in that in that cosmology, um, but uh, I, I think I think let you we've mentioned a couple of things already, yeah, the strategic plan process maps, and these are the things that are, are like you know to use that the the gardening metaphor. These are the tools. These are the mm-hmm. good things that um, that are used, and you know what they're tools that you have already heard of. You've mm-hmm. probably used, or somebody who's written a book, hundreds of people have written hundreds of books about these ideas in different forms within their own sort of nomenclature and branding and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We we definitely ripped ours off from Three to Five Club, which are our mm-hmm. friends of great... Uh, great business community. Mm-hmm. I'm, and Chuck would be the first person to say, it was like, hey, I ripped this off from a bunch of other people. Um, and yeah. Because they have this beautiful belief in abundance. They mm-hmm. have this thing, it's like, hey, we <laughs> this stuff can be shared. The real, the real value of it is the is in the community. It's just like the green room. It's in the community that we have a gym that we're practicing out these mm-hmm. concepts. But yeah. um, the, I would say the first that um, what we use, you know, with with torn curtain is something that's just it's a simple thing called the two page strategic plan. Mm-hmm. Um, on the first page, we hashed out and we hashed out for years talking mm-hmm. about like what is our purpose. Mm-hmm. What do we? How do we? 
what do we exist to do? And then kind of what is our mission? And I do think the mission and purpose actually are different because I think the mission changes and should change over time once a mission has been completed. But the Mm. purpose doesn't ever change. Those are the things that are just like, they they reflect how Brian and I really um, live our lives. Um, And then our values are how we do those things. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. and we keep those really short. Um, There's, I think there's just, we only have three values and everything goes filters under those three values. And I think a lot about them. I know Brian thinks about it going like, Really, are these the things that we really whittle things down to these three things? Yeah. Um, yes. And it's important that it's actually a short list because why? Because you can remember it. Um, right. There's so many organizations and churches and stuff like that that have five values, eight values. And I'm mm. like, screw that. I, I mean, I've, I've tried to remember those things and I just can't. Right. Um, but I mean, those things, maybe there's some level of vision that's connected to your vision mission, which is like, give me a picture a sort of like a, I have a dream speech sort of thing that is like, what's the future going to look like um, if we succeed in our mission kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's all the stuff on the front, on the front side. And and then yeah. there's the second side, which is also pretty simple too. Yeah. Well, and let, let me go back just a little bit and, uh-huh. and, and talk a little bit about the, that first section of, of yeah. this, of this two page strategic plan with the, you know, purpose, vision, mission values, and and every every organization calls them something different, um, so don't get hung up on the terminology. Yeah. For for the worship leader um, and the person that's you know in charge of that ministry, um, it it could be very easy, and and some churches do this, and for somehow they're able to operate. Um, but your church, your community already has a vision and a mission and values. Yep. And I think one of the worst things that you could probably do as a, as a worship leader in your own ministry is to come in with your own (laughs) vision, mission and values and say like, and, and maybe try to shoehorn them in to what's going on here. Like, so, Oh, but yeah. So this, this thing, it, it it has nothing to do with this value that the church has, but we can make it fit. Like, you know, so where, where I usually start with this to, to, to make it a little bit more practical is what I've done in the past and, and even what I'm doing now uh, yeah. at, at my current church yeah. is I take, like, I don't want what we're doing to be something other than where the church is trying to go. Mm-hmm. And so, one, I need to make sure that, do I really believe this? Do yeah. I really, am I really going to stand under these things that that the church said, like, this is where we feel God has said we should go? Do I really believe that? If I don't, it's probably time to look for somewhere else to go where I can, you know, where I can ascribe to those those vision and values. Fortunately, I do. I believe in in the mission of New Denver Church and the vision and and, and all of our values. But I take those things, and as I'm working on my strategic plan for my ministry, I'm I need to find out how do the things that I'm doing 
in the worship ministry? How do these underscore and push that vision and those values forward? Because it's not going to do me any good if I'm trying to build my own kingdom within this, you know, within this thing that, yeah. that New Denver is trying to do. And so I think it's important to always have those things in front of you as you go through this process and as you start to think about your strategic plan for your ministry, because you are there to serve the vision and mission and values right. of your organization, right. not of your own. You're not building your own kingdom of worship ministry yeah. underneath that, because that can cause so many problems down the road. Um, and so have that right in front of you and say, okay, how, as we move forward with the rest of this plan, how do all these things that I want to do and all these things that I feel that, that, that God is leading us to accomplish in this next year, how does that move the church forward? Yeah. Not just my agenda and my ministry. So yeah. I think that's a really important that's caveat an, to make. Yeah. And I, and I do think like, um, say for me personally, like my, my personal values and all those sort of stuff really dovetail with Torn Curtain and mm-hmm. with the church that I'm a part of as well. They don't have to line up directly, but right. I have to know that when I'm when I'm operating in in that capacity, I fall within that mission. Mm-hmm. Like and many people can have, you know, a couple of different missions, but their purpose sure. is the is the same. And and their missions can't be so misaligned that right. they uh that they contradict each other. And mm-hmm. I mean, obviously that creates a lot of misery and a lot of dysfunction there. But I think yeah. that what's fascinating is we can we Sometimes people can really get stuck in that stage and it takes a mm-hmm. long time because we can continue to debate and talk and stuff like that. I think even we do that now, it's like Brian and I still, we can have some debate around one of our values and it's like, do we use mm-hmm. compassion? Do we use caring? What, which one fits us? You know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But it can also keep you trapped away from the, okay, how does this stuff, the the stuff that has been growing, the health and stuff move into fruit like can can yeah. i am i using these tools to the best of my ability so that this can help produce fruit um and that's kind of in that second page for us on yeah. the strategic plan but that is often changing based on what what new things are happening um we try to mm-hmm. really uh, i would say we have one thing that we try to accomplish a year Mm-hmm. And then we have maybe three supporting things that are moving us toward that big, we call it a big rock, that's moving mm-hmm. that big rock. We have three other things. And then the rest of that page just says, okay, how do we break things down? And it's literally, it's just a map. It's not yeah. like a, a checklist. It's like, and then when something comes and we have to adjust the map, we come back to the map, but it's a fluid document. It's not this yeah. set in stone thing that we're never going to look at again once we set this this course. Mm-hmm. We come back to it regularly um, and, and and adjust as as we need to. But we also uh, are honest with uh, ourselves and say, like, "Wow, we said we were going to do this thing, um, and we didn't do it." And then we get curious and we go, hmm, "That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Why didn't we do that? Is it because our we realized it was the wrong thing to do or um, was it that we didn't have enough focus? Was other things happening in our lives that took us away from that? Um, but that map then, we we have something to, to measure against instead mm-hmm. of just guessing. 
Yeah. And I think that's one of the things so many, I think a lot of artists will sort of the balk at the, at the idea of, of having a plan, Yeah, you know, oh, this is too structured. This is too, too organized and too, like, it's too rigid. I don't, I don't want to be confined by all these things. Right. And I get that. I totally understand as, as a fellow artist, there, there are things about planning and setting goals and, you know, especially like if, if I'm in a meeting and somebody pulls out the, like the smart goals acronym, like (laughs) I am going to throw something across the room. (laughs) You know, they need to be specific and measurable and all the, like all of those things. And I, so I understand your reticence to, to say like, yes, I have to have a plan, Uh, whatever. The, one of the things that I love about this two-page strategic plan is that it does provide you with freedom because yeah. it isn't you have you have the the ability and the freedom to look at it and say, hey, I didn't I didn't get that done. I didn't get that done. Fascinating, like you said, Paul. But there are things that you will get done. And uh-huh. you can say, okay, cool. I, I did that. How did that move us to the next thing? And what, what's, the, what's the one next thing that I can do so yeah. that maybe I can do this other thing that didn't get done? Yeah. So it's not, it, it's one of the things that we talked about in, in three to five club is it's like, you know, it's like you're, you're trying to get a ship out of the harbor yeah. and you don't know exactly how deep the water is, but you know that you can go at least, you know, a, a furlong. I don't know sailing terminology, but you can go just a little a bit little further. Splashy bit, and then That's and then you it. test. Yeah, a little splashy bit, um, and then you test the depth of the water, and you say, okay, it's too shallow here. What happens if we turn right just just a little bit, and and so you turn right just a little bit, and uh, and, and and you take another you take another measurement. And you, you check, the, I think it's a sounding. A um, sounding. And you're like, oh yeah, we can move forward here. So you move forward there. And then, but you're always, you're, you know where you're going. Yeah. You know where you want to go. It's just going to take you a little time to get out of the harbor. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's okay. Like, I think that's one of the other things about, about the cycle of grace that's so different from the cycle of works. The cycle of grace is slow. Yeah. It's slow and it's intentional. Mm-hmm. It's not just bashing ahead <laughs> with with any you know with with all of the force and all the aggression that you can muster. It's slow and it's intentional. Yeah. And and again, I know that that flies in the face of so many models of ministry right now that just say like you just have to go, you just have to run. And there is a time and a place for that. Um, but um, but I think that that it's okay sometimes to move slow. And to say like, well, does this work? That didn't work. Let's try the next thing. Like what's, what's one thing that you can do this week or today that's going to move you one more step closer yeah. to, to that dream and to that vision and to the place that you feel God is leading you. Um, so I, I think that's an important distinction to make about this plan yeah. versus other plans that can be, that, that are restrictive and say yeah. like, and, and, and you may even have your church leadership saying to you like, no, it has to be done this way, X, Y, and Z. And, and then you can, and I've been in that situation. Yeah. yeah. There's no reason you can't still do this strategic plan and say, okay, so these are the boundaries that I have been given. Uh-huh. How am I going to express my freedom within these boundaries that I've been given? Uh-huh. There's the, this, this strategic plan is flexible in that way. You can yeah. say like, okay, so they've said I can't do X, Y, and Z, 
but I can do A, B, and C. So I'm going to do A, B, and C really, really, really well. Right. And you know, the truth is like your boss, your pastor or whatever, really at the end of the day is all they care about is the results. They Mm. care about like, did you do that thing? Uh, I think unless they are really wasting their time, they're not going to care how much time you spent on it. Yeah. And that's an important, that's freedom, really. Like Mm -hmm. having to deliver results is freedom because it, but the the way you frame it from mm. have to to get to is mm-hmm. an is revolutionary. Yeah. When you when you say like, and in some ways, it's even easier when you have an when you have an employer, when you have a boss or something like that who's given you clear parameters around what your job is. Or say honestly, a lot of don't a lot of churches don't. They don't know what they're doing, um, right. quite honestly. They're just kind of going ahead. They, they Generally, they just, next fire, they're chasing Sundays too, quite right. honestly. Yeah. And then when you get a little healthier, you start to go like, okay, what are the results that I'm responsible for? All this sort of thing. When you take responsibility for it, you realize you are in the driver's seat. You're the one asking mm. the questions. You're the one who is guiding your steps that then you can produce. And I think that it's, again, it's contagious. When any leader gets healthy on the team, it starts to breed health to the rest mm. of the system. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't matter where you are in the hierarchy. If you get healthier, the, the leaders above you are going to get healthier mm-hmm. over time, and and just to jump back to and what I, what you were saying about um, is this a slow progress, a slow thing? Mm-hmm. Um, I think being open and awareness, and this is where community is so important. Is some sometimes people are going to go like, actually, you're stuck in analysis paralysis. You're going too slow. You think you're going yeah. fast, but you're going too slow. And maybe you just need to make a decision. You need to get into a decision mode. Right. Um, and then some people are saying like, you've started five different projects, Paul. You know, <laughs> you need to shut things down, <laughs> you know, and maybe you need to go slower. Um, and that, that could be any Paul. That could be just, any Paul. I'm just saying, just, yeah, it, I, 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 <laughs> there's Pauls out there with, Romig Levitz in their last name, then this certainly applies to you. <laughs> but any Pauls, take it as you will. <laughs> yeah, well, I, and I think I think that's you know, if we can talk about us for a second, you know, we're we're a great example of that because Paul is yeah. like he is he's a thirty thousand foot like he's he's visionary. He is like and and. Yeah, there have been times where it's like, all right, what's the next thing? Like, what's the next yeah. thing? We got to do the next thing. And I tend to be the one who gets like kind of stuck in the mire of, oh, we got to, oh, we're not doing this right. Oh, we have to, we have to fix this thing before we do the next. Oh, we have to, oh, I'm so stuck. <laughs> and so I, I think that we, we balance each other out really yeah, well yeah. in that regard because it's like, I'm I'm usually the one saying like hey let's pump the brakes like we haven't we haven't even mastered this one thing yet yeah. and yeah. Paul's on to five or six other things that that we could possibly do yeah. whereas Paul can look at me and say like hey that's never going to be perfect <laughs> <laughs> like let's just let's see what we can do with it next you know yeah. and so and that again it's that value of community and yeah. why in in you know as you take you, the, that mind section and say like how can i identify the people in my community and in 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 my in my congregation and my culture who are better at some things than i am 
and might be able to take some of these things off my plate. Where, where can I find that balance for mm-hmm. my leadership and my personality? Um, you know, so that, and, and then show them this plan mm-hmm. and say, like, how does this look to you? Where are, like, does this move us forward? Does this, does this keep us stuck? Mm-hmm. Does this move us too fast? Does it move us too slow? So getting other people's fingerprints on this mm-hmm. and other people's input and outside eyes into this process is so important. Yeah. You can't, you, you can't and shouldn't do this by yourself. Yeah. It takes, it takes a team of people and it doesn't have, it doesn't necessarily have to be a staff team for, for the worship leaders who are at smaller churches and you're the only one responsible, the only one on paid, you know, on paid staff who's doing this stuff, there are volunteers, there are people in your congregation who are good at this stuff. And would love who, to get involved. Lo- and they're just waiting to be asked. Yes. And and so and this is again one of my shortcomings. I am so slow to ask because I don't I don't want to inconvenience anyone. Yeah, I yeah. don't want to hear no. Like I don't so yeah. I just protect myself from that by never asking. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. that's that's where I start to feel the pressure. That's where I start to feel the burnout is when I'm trying to do it all myself. Yeah. In the meantime, there are people waiting in the wings going, Man, Brian looks exhausted. I could I could probably help with that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they 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 need to and want to be asked. Yeah. Don't say no for people. Yeah. Don't yeah. say no for anybody else. They yeah. they know their lives, they know their boundaries. Um and 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 maybe some of them don't. And and so that takes some discernment too to recognize well, that there's some unhealth within your within your organization of people yeah. who are just saying yes to too much. But we we can talk about that in but another episode. But that's still for them to grow through. Right. You still can't fix that for them. Yeah. Yep. You know, um, yeah. and, and maybe it, t- it comes to some level of crisis for them to mm-hmm. realize that. I mean, that, that I believe maybe even that could be a service, but, um, yeah. I, I want to, I want to kind of keep us moving just a little bit. Uh, sure. Uh, there's one more thing that I want us to talk about, but that, and then really sort of just kind of reiterate that this is, this is kind of a cycle that we're going through, but mm-hmm. when, one of those things, one of those other tools, and maybe, you know, Brian, maybe I'm trying to squeeze this in too much because we could maybe even do a whole other show about process maps. I think that's a good, I think that's a good way to, um, I would love to talk more about, because when we talk about something that we use called process maps, and it's kind of like boring crap, honestly, the stuff that we really struggle with, which is like documenting, um, articulating, how something is done so right. that you make um, space for more people yeah. to be involved. That's, yeah. It's like there, and it's a fine balance between telling somebody what to do and how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a really tricky thing. And I end up yeah. doing terrible at telling somebody how to do something mm-hmm. instead of walking them through just what needs to be done and becoming vulnerable enough to getting somebody's input and stuff like that. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk and, more about yeah, that. But yeah. And, and then to, to, it, it takes a great deal of trust too. Yeah. to trust that those people are going to do it, it. It might not be your way, yeah. you know, but, but it's going to be a way and it's still going to get the, it's going to get the job done. Yes. You know? And so, but I, I do think, yeah, that requires a whole other thing. Cause we can, we also probably could take another hour to talk about like, how, how do you as an artist do all this admin stuff without completely losing your creative soul? Yeah. Um, because it is, it's, it's a, it can be a little bit of a slog, but I think it's a, it's a temporary slog 
that does generate freedom. Yeah. And it's um, and tied up the, with our ego yeah. a lot more than we oh, think it absolutely. is. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but, so, but, but I think coming back to the fact that this, this whole thing is a cycle, mm-hmm. um, there is no like linear approach to this. This is something that we're going to continue to iterate on and, and revolve around. When, when you say, how does that look like for you, Brian, how's this yeah. cycle turned out for you? Yeah. I think when, when you start to implement these things, um, especially when, you know, and I know, like I, like Paul said, it, it sounds like, and like I said too, it's it, it's a lot of administrative stuff that you have to do. Like like you know, I don't want to stare at this spreadsheet and and put in my vision and values and, yeah, yeah. and write all these things out and then try to come up with my goals for the year and how I'm you know how I'm proceeding and getting those done and all. Like I get it, I totally understand it, but there is a there is a fruit that is born from it that. And I, I alluded to it just a little bit. There's a fruit that's born from it that, that produces a whole lot of freedom for you personally, that creates freedom for your team that can create freedom that then bleeds into your community. Um, and, and that fruit then, as we see that, at least what I have seen in those times when I've seen that fruit, is it, it's like, oh yeah, all this happened because God did it. Like, and I know that sounds, it can mm-hmm. sound really cliche. And mm-hmm. for those of you who may reject a lot of those, like, oh, it's a God thing. Praise God. <laughs> God did it because yeah. you made the choice to yeah. say, first of all, I'm a deeply loved child of God. Uh-huh. And so then when we see that fruit, we say, oh, yeah, I'm a deeply loved child of God. And this happened. And this happened because, because God chose to move in this way through our community. And so you go back to this space of acceptance. And then the acceptance reminds you of God's presence with you. And then God's presence with you reminds you that God is, is also working in your community. And then as you see God working in your community, you see more fruit being produced. And then you remember, oh, yeah, that's right. This fruit was produced because we're all accepted and we're all loved children of God. And, and oh, we have his presence. And oh, yeah, his presence is working in this community. And it just keeps going around keeps going. and around. Yeah. You, have to, you have to take the time to recognize where the fruit came from. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, how, and, and look back on how that fruit was produced. And that always sends you back into this place of remembering who you are in Christ. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, 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 and how you are doing this work with God, yeah. not for God. You are yeah. doing this work with God. Right. And, 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 and that is what perpetuates the cycle of grace. Whereas yeah. all of your effort and all of your achievement perpetuates the cycle of works, recognizing who, who you are in Christ and who you are with Christ is what perpetuates the cycle of grace. Yeah, I think it's absolutely. And I think I just realized that that's, there's two meta philosophies that are that around maturity and one is linear and one is like you mature by amassing knowledge that you go from one step to another and you keep getting older and you keep getting better and all that sort of stuff keeps happening but you basically never learn the same lesson twice you just learn new lessons Mm. but deep 
uh, kind of perennial and ancient traditions would say, no, maturity is a cycle. Mm. You go through revolutions and rotations around the same things again mm. and again. That has definitely been true for me in my experience, but I do see that for other teachers and thinkers mm. that I follow and I like mm -hmm. listening to. They're, they articulate the same truth, which is, you know, it didn't, it doesn't mean that you didn't get it the first time. It doesn't mean that you're going backwards. It means mm -hmm. that you're going to need to find this new truth in here again. And mm -hmm. you're going to basically cycle these whole things over and over time, but you're going to evolve mm -hmm. things. You're going to ask different questions, but, it, but I think to our mind, sometimes if we feel like we're hearing the same lesson over and over again, then we haven't gotten it. We haven't grasped mm. it and we haven't learned it. And then therefore there's a shame story there. It's like, I'm mm -hmm. stupid. I just can't get it. I have that all the time where oh, I feel yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm learning this again, this whole thing yeah. again. Oh, I should have known better. I yeah. should have known better. I yeah. just like, maybe this is how you learn. Maybe mm -hmm. this is right. Maybe this is the way growth feels. Um, and and I'm trying to learn to embrace that more and and settle into it. But uh, but I think I think for the time being, I, I if you're not if your head is not full like mine, it's <laughs> like I, I don't know what's wrong with you. I mean, we covered so much yeah. today. Yeah. Um, and thank you so much for sticking with us. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to these episodes. If you're if you're curious about more of of the green room. Please visit us at, at greenroomleaders.com. You want to listen to more of those episodes before, go back, check in soul, heart, mind again. Um, I think sounds like we're going to come up with another episode talking a little bit more granular about the um, the other pieces, tools that we use ourselves, but also help coach people through. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, if you like this podcast and you want to support us, please um, review it on Apple Podcasts and share it. Uh, tell your friends. Uh, you can sign up for the First Chorus newsletter, um, mm -hmm. or you can even give to us financially. We're a 501c3 mm -hmm. nonprofit that you can support us at torncurtainarts.org. Um, and yeah. we've got actually some really cool guests coming on later on in seasons mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So hopefully you continue to listen to us and, uh, and keep trucking. Keep trucking, yeah. as they, as Jesus said. Keep trucking, as Jesus said to all those truckers in 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 ancient Palestine. In ancient, it was like, yeah. and where that hat, sir. And where <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying now. Anyway, I don't either. But thank you so much for listening. Um, yeah, check yep. back in in a couple of weeks for another episode. And uh, yeah, okay. We'll we love back. you all. Bye. Bye. Chasing Sunday is a production of Torn Curtain Arts and distributed by Resonate Media. Your hosts are Brian Davis and Paul Romig-Levitt, with editing and mixing by Danny Burton. Torn Curtain Arts is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your tax-deductible gifts make our work possible. For more information about TCA and to partner with us in our ongoing work, visit torncurtainarts.org.